Hello, welcome to Cinemaniac Jack. I'm your host, Jack. Today's guest co-hosts are Bethany and Chris. How are you guys today? Doing good. Long day, but I'm ready, ready to go here. Yep, same. So basically the gist of this show is that we talk about films that I love based on whatever the topic of the episode is. And in the first half of the show, I talk to my guest about whatever the topic is. So today's topic is a film with a favorite duo. And the film I chose is Monsters, Inc. Uh, but first, Bethany and Chris are going to tell us some of their favorite on-screen duos. Who wants to go first? I would say ladies first. Okay, I'll go first. Yeah. There you go. Okay, so my first... Uh, I have a lot of Disney ones, I realize, because Disney just makes a lot of good duos. So the first one I'm going to talk about is Timon and Pumbaa from The Lion King. Ever since I just a young age, I thought that they were really funny together. Um, they're a little bit annoying, but I love that about them. Yeah, they're really funny. They even have their own spin-off movie. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that's the uh, Lion King one and a half or three and a quarter. One, one, one and a third. half, yeah. I remember seeing ads for that. Yeah, I actually saw that back in, um, I think it was elementary school or middle school but we were watching it and uh i remember um learning that the timon's mother was voiced by the same actress who did marge simpson from the simpsons oh Oh, really and so she was like you know i remember a line she said um in one of the scenes she's like what you have to Like a complete, like, you know, Jewish mom. Timon's like, That's like, so funny. Jewish mom. It's hilarious. I mean, the movie itself is okay, but yeah, it's, um, it's got some moments to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Nathan Lane is always really funny. And, uh, I heard once that he, like, he, he will never, like, whenever somebody comes up to him and is, like, sing a Hakuna Matata, he's like, he will not do it. Yeah, I've heard he's like kind of a little, um, little infamous for being a little bit, um, I don't know, like a diva or well, someone. Well, you want to know something? Like the public that much? Well, apparently, well, you want to know something funny? His What's that? his brother actually was the principal of our high school, right before oh, right before we were there. Yeah. What was the guy's name? Mr. Lane. Um, I don't remember what his first name was. Wow. Brian. Dan, I don't know what it was. I forget, but his brother was was the principal of our high school. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow, you knew that, right? No, I didn't know you that didn't? actually. No, your parents definitely know that because your sisters, ha- well, at least your older sister definitely had him. Yeah, cool. Well, so- like um, on that on that note, though, like um, my uh, sister had a bit of um, interaction, sort of, or connection to a celebrity. Like back in high school when she was a senior, uh, Jesse Eisenberg was a, uh, I believe, freshman or sophomore. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah, and also I think uh, his sister Haley Eisenberg was went to the same uh, high school as well. Huh. Then I might be wrong about that because I know they were in my my hometown of East Brunswick for a little while. Then they moved, oh. so, but they were they did go through the school system at one point. Interesting. Cool. Yeah, connection, man. <laughs> Uh, so who are your first duo, Chris? Well, yeah, I'm going to go, for the first one, I'll go with um, uh, Henry Jones Jr. and Sr. Uh, from the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah, that's, um, that's out of like all the indie, indie movies, that's like my favorite, mainly because of the pairing of Sean Connery and Harrison Ford as both the father and the son. 
And like I love, like I would say, half of the indie indie movies. I uh, really like Temple of Doom, but The Last Crusade um, was my favorite because, like, just seeing Indy uh, like interacting with his father, who he has like a very strange relationship with, and see that play out on screen, it's hilarious. But also, it adds a bit of heart to the the franchise that I think makes it like top tops it above the re- the other ones because like as the movie progresses and they're interacting with each other and there's a lot of laughs a lot of funny scenes but then there's a lot of like you know touching scenes where there's just like just talking to each other there's no like action scene there's no like people like blown up or shot up or anything like that you know there's like some of the best scenes are just of sean connery and harrison ford talking to each other and sort of bouncing off of each other's like you know their their chemistry their charisma and uh, just their, their talent as like performers and um i have to say that's maybe my one of my i think my in my top five of favorite duos in cinema yeah i mean i if if anybody's gonna be the dad of indiana jones it would have to probably be sean Connery. junior <laughs> yeah yeah just, just for the accent alone that's uh it's priceless yeah my turn uh What's your next one, Bethany? Okay, my next one is Shrek and Donkey. Oh, they yeah. are the best duo. Oh, that, ever. That, that's, a, that's a big one. Yes. They are a great duo. It's just, it's perfect. Like, he wants nothing to do with him. You know, you have, like, the main one and then, like, the sidekick. Um, and, like, you know, he's he wants nothing to do with him. Donkey's annoying and kind of just like leeches onto Shrek, but then he learns to love him and they become best friends. And then, and in the morning, I make it pops. <laughs> yeah, so I love them. Yeah, it's one of those like duos that's like an example of like how it works because they're both like polar opposites of each other. Right. Yeah, that's usually the case with most of the duos. Like they like very famous or like popular duos. They're usually opposites of each other. Yeah, and comic- that's how what makes it uh, so entertaining and what makes it work in whatever film that is or movie. The comedy comes from their differences. Exactly. Yeah, how they're they're butting heads about things, and you know, he, Shrek would be like, "Leave me alone," and Shrek Donkey's like, "No." <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm you. <laughs> yeah. What what what's your next pick, Chris? Um, I'm going to have to go, like, on this one, R2-D2 and C-3PO from Star Wars, particularly um, from the original film uh, in 1977, uh, New Hope, because, like, that's, of course, when we're first introduced to them, and they're both, they're they're pretty much opposites of each other, you know, C-3PO is the talkative uh, one, he's a linguist, Who's always like you know whining around him and um, like oh we shouldn't do this or we shouldn't do that and R two D two of course being the opposite be the one who's like we gotta keep moving we gotta do this and that like I don't care how you feel and they then then they started like calling each other names and it's, it's a little hilarious and um, what's cool about their characters um, how they were conceived by George Lucas was that. They were sort of like the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern characters from, say, Hamlet. And yeah, and that was their sort of inspiration. They're they're sort they're in the background. They are sort of going through all these like different scenes, different uh, locales, and um, and they're kind of giving us the world from their perspective, in a way. 
Because if you notice uh, in the in the New Hope, nearly every scene that they're in, like almost every scene in the movie, has is, has C three people and R two D two in in some form, and then so they're always there, almost always there, unless we like cut to a scene where it's a villain uh, or like you know Darth Vader and the Empire. Most of the time, when we have the heroes on screen, R two D two and C three PO are not too far behind. And again, they're just there back and forth. Like, even though you don't understand C3PO, he's all just says a bunch of oops. And, but uh, it still works. And I say it works brilliantly. Yeah. Uh, so, what's your next one, Bethany? My next one is actually Ryan and Sharpay from High School Musical. Oh, uh, yes, yes. They are, again, kind of opposite in a way. Like, she's really the brains of the outfit. And he's, like, the one that just goes along with it. But also, he's, like, the nicer one. The dumber one. The dumber one. You always have, like, the dumb one. You always have the the one that's smart and the one that's dumb. Um, Yeah. um, I think that they are funny also because they are supposed to be brother and sister. Like, they're twins. So, I just... I love that. They're literally just... They're, they take their high school theater program so seriously that they're willing to sabotage their peers and don't care, like, what the, you know, outcome is. It's pretty funny. Yeah. I wasn't too big on, you know, high school musical growing up. I actually really haven't watched most of it, so, you know, I was kind of... I was obsessed with it. I mean, like, I had an unhealthy obsession. There are movies that you have to watch at least, like, once. At least? Yeah. I think you need to watch them at least 15 times. I mean, it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea, but like, I matter. feel like you have to watch them at least I, once. Challenge accepted. What? No, I was just saying challenge accepted. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised you never saw those movies, Chris. Well, I've, I've seen bits and pieces of it. I remember we were watching it in middle school. We had like a period, you know, like a period, a session where we're, just, we're allowed to like study and do homework and stuff like that. And sometimes the teacher will put on some movies. Free period. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then at the past the time, and I remember we they put on High School Musical, and I did watch a little bits and pieces of it, but not, not much after that. It just, it just didn't, really, it didn't really catch on to me, that's all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what was your next duo, Chris? Um, I would say I would go with... Um, Again, with the big franchises, I'm gonna go with. Um, this is a little. This is uh, kind of a toss-up. The Hobbits in the Lord of the Rings, and I could go with either Mary Pippin or Frodo and Sam. Uh, because there's a lot of like duos and like trios in that film, in that branch, in that series, that trilogy um, that I could pick from. But those in particular, the Hobbits themselves, in that trilogy, the Lord of the Rings, they are the heart of the soul of those movies. Uh, because like it's kind of from from their perspective, like a lot of the plot hinges on what they do. You know, there there are separate journeys or the journeys they have together. Like Frodo, like Frodo wouldn't go far without Sam, as he says. And Sam, I think, um, you know, they just complement each other. You have Frodo; he's the guy who who carries the ring, and he's carrying like the I guess the physical like burden of like well no not so much maybe not so much physical. But more a more of a mental or psychological burden 
Um, and, and while Sam kind of carries the, more of the weight physically, like he carries all the shit around, like the supplies and the pans and, and bags and whatever. But he also carries Frodo whenever he can't get, like, you know, when he stumbles, Sam is there to catch him and, like, fall from falling. That kind of relationship. And it's, it's again, like the heart of the films. But I, I would also hop to Mary and Pippin. They're just kind of like a uh, comic relief for most of those films. And they're they're kind of polar opposites, but they usually are like they're like on that end spectrum where they're comic relief. And um, until like maybe the second or third movie where things got to be really serious for them, and they play like a very important part in the overall story. And yet still, they um, they're kind of there to uh, you know drink beer and party. And they're cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's your next one, Bethany? Can I just say, like, the rest of mine as honorary mentions? Yeah. Like, I don't even really have to talk them, about them. Yeah. Um. So, I was wondering before I asked you, does it always have to be, like, friends? And you said, no, not at all. Could be a couple. And so, I was thinking of Katniss and Peeta from The Hunger Games. They're a great duo, considering they rely on each other to survive and they are their teamwork is the reason why they survive in the end um another one is um okay these are interesting because these ones are villains now um and i'm going to say hook and smee from peter pan they are hysterical together um, along with um, Yzma and Kronk from Emperor's New Groove. Uh, they are just Hook and Smee and then Yzma and Kronk. Very similar where you have like the smart evil one and then like the stupid bumbling, the bumbling idiot sidekick um, who really is good at heart. You know, like they're the, they're good at heart, but they follow along with the bad guy. So, yeah, like I don't I like really him. think Kronk is evil. No, he's not evil at all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, he's kind of a henchman, you know. Same thing with with Emperor's New Groove. Another thing about that is, um, uh, very much like Mike and Sully in a way. You've got Cusco and Pacha, where they like bicker constantly, but they love each other and they're like brothers. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Those are my favorite duos. Chris, do you have any remaining ones that you wanted to just throw out there? Yeah, I have a few. Um, there's um, Will Smith and uh, Tommy Lee Jones in Men in Black. Um, uh, the kind of the obvious, um, like polar opposite, like duo that just really works. It's just so so cool, fun to watch. Where you got this very uh, dry and serious uh, tone, like. Agent K, uh, Emily Jones, and then you got the smart ass, like talkative uh, Will Smith with his like jabs of uh, humor and like sarcasm, and just how they kind of clash, and it just works like it's just really entertaining to watch, especially in the first movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think of another one. Um, let's see. I'm probably gonna. I'm gonna here's an honorable mention. Um, Baby, Baby Yoda and, and the Mando from oh. the Mandalorian. I mean, if that counts, is this, does that count? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I haven't seen the Mandalorian, so I'm not really sure. But if 
if you think it counts, then I guess it counts. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, this is, that is the show. It's their, 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 like, their um, duo, their relationship. You know, he, like, Amanda takes care of Baby Yoda, and then, you know, Baby Yoda has a couple surprises of his little, little, little cut sleeves. And just, again, like, it's kind of sort of a father, a, a pseudo father and son relationship. But, like, there's, like, they're strangers, and, uh, but yet they have this connection, and, Mando will do anything to take care of the baby Yoda, so it's, it's sweet. Cool. Um, are we ready to get into it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cool. So today we're talking about Monsters, Inc. So Monsters, Inc. is a computer-animated monster comedy film released on November 2nd, 2001. It was directed by Pete Docter. The screenplay was written by Andrew Stanton and Daniel Gerson. The story was written by Pete Docter, Jill Colton, Jeff Pigeon, and Ralph Eggleston. The music was done by Randy Newman. It stars John Goodman, Billy Crystal, Steve Buscemi, James Coburn, Jennifer Tilly, and Mary Gibbs. The film is about two monsters named Sully, played by John Goodman, and Mike, played by Billy Crystal, who work for the company Monsters Incorporated a factory that collects screams from children in order order to sustain their electrical power. Mike and Sully are the most popular and respected scarers in the company, and are about to break the scare record. One night, Sully returns to the scare floor to retrieve paperwork that Mike forgot, and sees a door left activated. Unknowingly, he lets loose a little girl, played played by Mary Gibbs. Sully and Mike then plan to return the child before more chaos ensues. Uh, so since this episode is about favorite duos i'll explain why i love them as a duo so much mike and sully uh just because i don't know like i just i love john goodman and billy crystal on those parts and they have such great chemistry and like you believe that they're best friends and they're also just really funny and funny together uh uh what what do you think oh i completely agree they are perfect together um i think that their voices they were perfectly cast like the voices were perfect i actually wrote down because i i had to bring this up i thought that mike wazowski was voiced by nathan lane until i was 18 years old oh (laughs) he sounds just like him in this movie if you didn't yeah, got a similar tone. Like I thought I was like, that's definitely Snowbell from Stuart Little. Like that is Timon. Like I, I knew it. I was like, that's him. And then I found out by Jack one day that he mentioned Billy Crystal and I was like, Wait, who's that? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Uh the high pitched whiny noise sound to their voice, yeah. Nail nasally. Yeah. But yeah, they're a great duo. I mean, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Their their duo is perfect. Like you got like John Goodman, he provides sort of like the affable, uh, like presence. Uh, while while you have Billy Crystal who plays like the antsy, um, you know, um, funny man. He's he's always trying to crack jokes, be funny, and you know, do whatever. While John Goodman's like there to respond, he's like, yeah, yeah, buddy, you know. Uh, you, you know, he would be like there to sort of react to whatever uh, Mike Wazowski would be doing, and just that that back and forth again is 
hugely entertaining. And, you know, like, you really uh, feel for their, their connection, like, early in the movie and as the movie progresses. And then when they start to kind of drift apart, when they start to have, like, disagreements and stuff, you, you feel it. You feel uh, you feel upset because, you know, they, they're so good together. And just to have that kind of start to fall apart because of all the stuff that's happening, you know, you, you're rooting for them to work things out and get get stuck, get shit done, get the get the kid back to his uh, his bed or her bed and get, uh, get keep her safe. Um, anything that you wanted to say, Bethany? First. Well, first of all, the music I had no idea was written by Randy Newman, but that makes so much sense because it does give me Toy Story vibes, like big time. Um, yeah. the music, but particularly. I absolutely love that opening music. It's oh, so, yes, yes. it's the so, jazzy, um, yeah. Uh, it's opening, like, um, it's a smooth jazz almost. It's really soothing. It's a bop, like, yeah. like the, the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, it's and just, then they have a, a song at the, I think at the end of the movie that goes with the same like right. music. I wouldn't have melody. nothing. Like, I, I wouldn't have nothing if I didn't have you. Which again, like sort of like highlights their relationship in a bottle. I wouldn't have nothing if I didn't have you. Like it Mike, was, I wouldn't be uh, be good without you. Whatever. Yeah. It reminds me of you've got a friend in me. Yeah, it's got a got that vibe. But I think it does. Like have, it's like got its own. Thing. it's similar but i think it uh um, sounds like it though like, that you've got a friend in me I yeah, a little bit, if little i bit. were up something today yeah. you know <laughs> yeah well it was funny because i think randy newman was supposed to sing that song at the end and then for some reason they decided to have john goodman and billy crystal i'm do it. so glad randy newman didn't do it <laughs> yeah. you know actually i like I like them singing it, and I think John, John Goodman's actually a really good singer. He's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got Billy Crystal sort of talking his way through it, like, oh, the optic noise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that music. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, that, that jazz opening was uh, kind, of, it's kind of special. I don't know if there's something about it that's yeah. just so great. Do you want to know a funny so, story, Chris? Jack and, I, Jack and I were driving home from Six Flags... One day, um, two years ago, 2019, when we had our passes, and it was so late at night that I was just like, I need to stay awake while I'm driving. I'm very tired. And he was like, oh, I'm tired too. Let's listen to music. But we didn't, I, know, I know the feeling. But we didn't want to listen to music. Like, sometimes you just want to listen to instrumental. So what we did was we put that song, the, the instrumental opening to Monsters, Inc., on repeat. It was on loop. And we listened to it the entire ride home. It was great. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> yeah, I listen to instrumental all the time when I'm, I'm driving uh, long distances. Yeah. That's, that's kind of my jam. So like, I, that was like sit right at home. So one thing that I did pick up pick up on uh, this time around when we were watching it is that this is like another one of those movies that where like the exposition is really good, like how the world is like set up. For us, is like is really creative. Like first, uh, with water noose, uh, giving a rundown of like what their job is, and then to seeing, the, like to the newbies, to the uh, what do you call it, the trainees, like like to sort of a clever way to give a exposition and introduction to the whole like concept of uh, extracting screams. 
they they do it by talking to the uh, you know the 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 I just said it the trainees uh, trainees yes I think the like and also like it's also with exposition or like setting things up with the world uh, the movie does a very uh, very good job uh, at setting up the world without like telling us more showing us you know show don't tell yeah but also like with like with the um like the commercial that comes on the tv uh that explains uh again like the the jobs at monsters inc and of course it's always like really funny when it ends with um uh when mike gets covered by the uh like the logo or something which is an eye just uh, looks just like him yeah and he's like, I was, oh my god, I can't believe it. I'm, I'm sorry, Mike. I was on TV! <laughs> <laughs> like, what can I say? The camera lost me. That reminds me of that episode of Spongebob where he's in the Krusty Krab commercial and he's like not oh, really yeah. in it. You just see like the back of him or yeah. something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It got some, uh, some of the same energy from that. Yeah. Anyway, I said... That Mr. Waternoose is, like, really scary. Um, as a kid, I always was scared of him because he reminds me of a spider. Um, exactly. But, spider. Also, but also, he he portrays the monster boss, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's a, like he's a monster, literally. And, like, he's, like, the monster boss. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. the evil boss. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I think that's, that's a good, like, way of portraying. Yeah. Getting, or it's a good way of getting across another theme. Yeah. Well, it's interesting about, like, his character. Like, yeah, he's, he's a uh, monster boss. And and when you look at the design of him, he does look pretty scary. But when things start out. Uh, the guy, um, I think the actor's name is James Coburn. He voiced uh, Waternoos. Uh, he's a uh, one of those classic western um, western movie uh, actors. He voiced him, and it's, he was uh, older. He was an older guy before, an um, older actor, and he gave the character sort of warmth to. Uh, he gave this warmth to the voice, and it was kind of it was kind of disarming. You kind of you kind of liked him. You liked the way he talked, the way he talked to Sully, and how he. You know, encouraged him to be the best scarer on the floor and you kind of again you kind of like him but then as the movie goes on and then there's a plot twist and like you find out who the real bad guy is and so on and yeah all of a sudden that warmth that he was like giving out it flips and when he starts to like you know get angry it's kind of he actually starts to lose that warmth and it's kind of scary Especially when he's like moving fast in through the hallways and kind of crawling walls. I mean, all of a sudden, like, whoa, this guy, this guy, I can, I believe this guy was was like the top scarer back in his day, you know? I don't think he was. I think he was just, he just took over the business. Yeah, Uh, I feel like he had had some skills when he was like, you know, I guess a regular employee, unless he inherited the job. Yeah, he he inherited the the company. Because he says at the beginning that the. He's like, this company has been in my family for generations and blah, blah, blah. Three generations. Yeah. Yeah. But he's, he reminds me of a spider. Like, really, he does. A crab and a spider put together. Yeah. I never saw the crab thing, but Jack said the same thing. I always said, like, a spider or an octopus. Definitely yeah. a spider. Like, ugh. With all the eyes. 
Yeah. There's a whole like cauldron of different monsters in one, just like the rest of the uh, all the other monster designs. Speaking of other monsters, you remember in the beginning, Chris, when Mike and Sully are walking to work, and then there's this monster that like they say hello to, and then he yeah 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 he goes into the sewer, like he goes oh great, like his body is like gelatin yeah. What I said, I like what happened to him after that? Like, did he get a new <laughs> body? Did he die? Like what happened? His body See, was that, really... that, that is a missed opportunity on Pixar's part to not give us a short. At the end. What happened to that blob? Well, actually, yeah, I looked him up, and his name is Blobby. Of course. So, so I, I was... I, you know what would have been funny is if he... At the end, after the credits, if you just see him... Yeah, like, he's still there. Still there, yeah. trying to get out. <laughs> he's like, hello, <laughs> mouth and eyes need yeah. help. <laughs> uh-huh. And there was also another monster in that opening where they're, they're saying good morning to... Uh, it was Sully. He's looking up at this huge monster who sounds awfully like a chicken. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think... Um, I don't know. There was... Uh, I saw... I remember one of the bloopers they had. They had... Um, instead of uh, sort of this chicken monster leg standing next to Sully, it was actually Rex from Toy Story who who was there. Oh yeah, and, I've seen that. Yeah, I've I remember that. that. Yeah, that's really yeah one funny. of those like creative bloopers that they did back in the early days, like <laughs> Toy Story one, two, and then uh, I know Bugs Life did a blooper thing, and, and Monsters Inc. I think was maybe the last one that did that, and then they kind of stopped doing those cool little bloopers. Yeah, honestly, I never liked them. I thought they were really cheesy. Because I'm like, yeah. bloopers, I like, I like when bloopers are, like, real for, like, yeah. you know, like, like a live action film. I mean, it's for yeah. kids, and kids probably yeah. find it funny, but, like, I don't like when they have to, no, play, I thought, when they I go and create. Like, I, I, still, I, get a, I get a kick out of them whenever I watch themselves. Guess it depends. I mean, that, that was a very thousands thing, I think, at the time. Because that's, like, when yeah. everybody was, like, starting to, like, actually show, like, the bloopers and stuff, so then they'll, like... Everybody, including animated films, had to show them. So, even if it was yeah. fake, fake, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't watch the um, the bloopers this time around, but I did watch the 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 thing at the end that they show where they put on like that musical that Mike was saying that they were working on, which is really uh-huh. funny. Yeah, <laughs> put that thing back where it came from. Or so help me. So help me. So help me, so help me, and cut. Yeah. Speaking of water news, um, I find it interesting that this film has two villains. I mean, a lot of the time you'll see two villains, like the villain and his or her sidekick, but who can be considered a villain, like Yzma and, you know, Kronk. But, like, this movie really has two villains. There's water news and there's Randall. And it's yeah. like they're completely different stories. Like they're completely different interactions with the characters to make them the villains. I always yeah, found that well, interesting. Yeah, they have two different kind of two different motivations. Sort of, you yeah. got Warren who's so keeping his company alive, and you got uh, what's his face, uh, Randall, who just wants to um, get on top of the game. You know, with a scare scare record. Randall is really what? scary. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty scary. Jack, you, yeah. you need to tell Chris. Your connection. Oh, yeah. Well, so my dad actually went to high school with um, Steve Buscemi and his brother. And he's actually, he's he's good friends with his brother. 
uh, and he emails him a lot. And he was actually over, he my dad actually met Steve Buscemi once, and he's been over to his house and uh, when wow. they were kids. So yeah, that's the kind of the cool connection that I have. That is yeah. awesome. And you uh, you obviously know. Side note: uh, Steve Buscemi um, was a is I don't know if he still is, but he was a volunteer firefighter, and he uh, helped. Um, uh, get survivors during 9-11 I believe really? yeah yeah I heard about that yep. wow yeah in real life he's a super cool and uh, good dude but in this movie he's an asshole <laughs> have you ever seen Reservoir Dogs yeah he plays assholes in a lot of movies yeah he's a, he's a dick in that one too <laughs> <laughs> yeah and he dies in like every movie that he's in oh yeah that's yeah, a long I mean, game oh well maybe not as much as Sean Bean but he dies in quite a few of his movies yeah and he could die in this movie too. We don't really know. We don't yeah. see what happens after he gets well, beaten I mean, up by that. Those rednecks uh, beating the shit out of him. I mean, I, I don't know if he got out of that alive. I was thinking either if he didn't die, like he found another door. He probably disappeared. You know how he can disappear. Yeah. yeah. Like, disappeared, found another door, and then like got back eventually. But like it probably took him a while. He'd have yeah. to go under disguise though, because he was. He was. Uh, scheming with water noose and water noose got in trouble yeah so he could just be disappeared yeah probably maybe they maybe he makes like an unknown like a unknown cameo in one of the pixar movies and it's like hidden somewhere for fans to find you know i wrote about that actually in this yeah so i guess the fate of uh randall we will never know yeah i wrote about that though i'll talk about that later yeah um Anything else you wanted to say before we digress? Yeah. One thing that I picked up on, too, this time that I didn't pick up on the other times was, um, oh, yeah. was when, uh, like, the, re- the, the, when he's, like, when he, when, because Mike wants to drive his car to work, but then Sully's like, no, there's a scream shortage, we're walking, and I never understood why they, he didn't want to drive the car with him, but then he's like, oh, there's a scream, there's a scream shortage. So, so they don't want to use energy. He doesn't want to use up the energy. Yeah. It's just like the gas shortages in the 70s, you know? Yeah. Or like yeah. a couple months ago. Or that too, yeah. That wasn't even real, though. It was just people panicking over nothing. Yeah. It was It was short-lived. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's like a scream shortage. We're walking. No, 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 no. no. I'll, be, I'll see you, sweetie. I'll, I'll call you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Another thing that I get a kick out of is... Um, Mike's girlfriend Celia, her hair. Her hair with all the snakes at the end of it. Yeah, she's like a Medusa. Yeah. And she's voiced by Jennifer Tilly. Of course, of course. I don't know who that is. Well, she's she's um she's uh Chucky's bride in Chucky's Bride or something like that. Yeah. I mean, that's I think what she's most known for. But I mean, she's famous for having like you know. You know, her figure and her uh, very soft-spoken, like, Tia, like, squeaky voice. Sort of, or not, not squeaky voice. Her voice so, is annoying. It's like, it's a little annoying, but it's, it's kind of, like, on the sultry side. You know, it's got, I the, you know, like... I so. I think it's an irritating. <laughs> yeah, it, it depends on, you know, like... It could be irritating for some, or, like, you know, kind of, like, I guess, attractive to others. I don't know. But, yeah, she had that, she kind of has that voice. Yeah. It, uh, depending yeah. on where it like leads for you, yeah, it could be annoying or not. Yeah, I never yeah. liked her voice. I always thought it was annoying. <laughs> yeah, and like, like another thing, another thing I noticed about Monsters Inc. is that um, there's a lot of side kill, very a lot of really fun side characters uh, in the movie. 
Um, you know, you got Randall's uh, little sidekick that, like, with the one eye or three eyes. Yeah. Oh, I like, I, I like George. Oh, I don't know. Was his name George? The one who has the sock on his back. Oh, 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 oh poor George. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, 2319 yeah. guy. Yeah, 2319. 2319. Yeah. But I love, Roz is probably the best oh, one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I had to get to her because, obviously, I would do an impression of her. Whenever I ever bring up Monsters, Inc., I always do an impression of her. And uh, fun fact, that's, I don't know the, the name, but it was voiced by um, one of the creators at Pixar at the time. Yeah, I forget his name, but he, he does the voice of Roz. And it's a guy. Yeah. And he goes like, you know, um, asking, you your paperwork last night. <laughs> don't let it happen again. <laughs> I'm watching you with Always watching. Always. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. yeah, I love that voice. I like, though, at the end how she ends up trying, you know, being actually one of the good guys. Because he's yeah, like, oh, yeah, like, CIA um, director kind of thing, or it's the CDA director. Yeah. So, like, she was undercover. She comes out, she's got her, like, outfit on, and she, like, Hello, boys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've been keeping track of one news. Um, when Mike and Sully get thrown into the Arctic, I just have to say, I love that whole part with the Yeti. I think the Yeti is so oh, cute. Yeah. Welcome to the Himalayas! I said he's really cute. Yeah, he is yeah, really cute. I noticed something, I think, later on when I got, when I was older, watching Monster League again, I noticed um, something that something was off about the snow cones. Oh, and yeah. how, how, he, how he produces says snow cones. He, like, um, he's like, uh, when, Mike, uh, when Mike and um, Sully are uh, fighting uh, over, like, you know, going back or whatever, uh, none of them matters. And then, uh, what's his face? Vamos uh, Soma is like, oh, look, we're out of snow cones. I'm going to go out, go outside and get some more. He says, make, yeah. make some more. Make yeah. some more. So, like, what is he doing? You're like, what is he, how is he getting the, these yellow snow cones? Exactly. And we, uh, we kind of have, like, a theory, and it's, it seems pretty obvious. What, do you guys agree with that? Like, yeah, is that? Yeah, yeah he's, he, he's pay. I mean, they are monsters, so I guess they don't care. So funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, it's disgusting, too. <laughs> yeah. He's like, um, hey, I got some more snow cones. He's actually, um, he's actually the voice, that guy. He's in, oh. like, every Pixar. He's Ham in Toy yeah, Story. Yeah, John Ratzenberger. He's, um, he's Mac in Cars. Um, oh he's yeah, like he's the group of fish and Finding Nemo. Oh yeah, he's the group of fish. The school, the school of fish, like yeah. the blah 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 blah. Me 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 me. Yeah, another thing that though that I was thinking this time around when we were watching it was like, they're all like pretty dumb for falling for Boo's disguise. <laughs> See, I think it looks pretty real considering they're monsters. Yeah, but I mean, if they were smart enough, then the movie would be over much quicker. Yeah. Yeah. I guess they didn't think they didn't think that a human would be dressed up as a monster. They wouldn't be thinking about that at all. Right. Yeah. Like a side note, I love those uh, two uh, dumb like co- uh, co-workers of theirs. I don't know. Yeah, I forget the, in- the interns. Yeah. yeah. They're like, hey, stop it! You're making a monster's focus. Oh, I see. Sorry. Oh, shut up. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, another thing I really love about this film is seeing Sully just completely do a 180. Like, he's so... He's tough. He's the scary guy. And then, like, you see him, like, become the big mush at the end. Like, it's just his transformation, his his character arc is just so great that nobody even realizes. It's great in, in like, a mass setting. Like, I mean, like, it's large. But it's also great as in, like, it's very well done because... It's kind of subtle, like, you don't even realize it, but, like, as the movie goes on, he really starts to fall for this little girl and, like, you know, care for yeah. her. Yeah, I, I feel like, um, yeah, it is pretty big. Um, I always, like, even as if I watch it from the beginning of the movie, I feel like Sully does seem like he has a heart. However, you know, he's uh, set on, like, trying to break the scare record and be the best and you know, uh, once when you get the uh, the girl Boo coming into the picture, you know he his sort sort of you know the father daughter kind of thing starts yeah. to set in, with him, and it like really humbles his character much more. And it's and nice, it's nice all to there see that like she's a human, he's a monster. It's like you don't have to be the same to love somebody. Yeah, and yeah. it's cute because the whole the whole idea for this movie is the mon that's the cliche monster under the bed. Mm-hmm. But taking awesome. that and just rolling with that imagination yeah. box, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like Sully is always like he's he's always a good person or monster in this case. But the thing that kind of makes him what what changes about him is his attitude towards scaring children like at first for him it's just like a yeah it's just a job uh but then like when he gets to know boo and he sees what's going on with water news and randall then he's like completely yeah he's not really for it anymore uh yeah but then like he also discovers a new way to start uh getting their power so instead of like a malicious way which is scaring children, they're getting children to laugh. Which is ironically gives is actually more powerful than getting them to scream. So apparently, yeah, I love that. Which uh, which becomes Mike's forte. He becomes I made I guess the top funny man of the company. So yeah, because if you ever saw the mo- the canon film, you know, um, Monsters University, you see that Mike really wanted to be a scarer. And yeah, he, did. he wasn't, it wasn't for him. But then, like, you go and you see this. And he, well, he was always being compared to Sully because Sully was always better at scaring. And he always was, like, the second to Sully. However, when you turn it around, Sully will never be as funny as Mike. Exactly. So it shows you that, like, maybe you're not great at something and someone's better than you at something. But you're yeah, it certainly has a message then. there for people who are like trying to like go on a certain uh, career path. Like you might you, you try to do one thing and maybe you're not entirely good at it, but if you like switch things up and try something different, then you might find more success in that other path. Yeah, but also I mean like like I was saying, you might think that like somebody else is better than you at something, but I guarantee you there's something that you're better at than they are. That's something like your 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 own superpower over them, you know. Yeah, and another another thing scene that always like cracks me up, too, um, is just like when 
when they're when they're being chased by Randall, and at one point they end up at like this like tropical island, and Mike just says, "Why couldn't we get banished here?" Yeah, I know. Why couldn't we be banished here? Yeah, that part's so funny. You ever notice in other Pixar movies, like, at the end of this one, when, when, I almost said Kitty, when, um, Sully brings her back to her bedroom, and you see, like, the Jessie doll on the floor, the Nemo doll oh, yeah. toy, there's a poster, I forget what it is of, but, like, you see all the odes to the other Pixar films, and other yeah, Pixar films have Yeah, they do that in every Pixar movie, they do that. Yeah, they always throw in Easter eggs. Yeah, just like the um, the rednecks that beat the shit out of Randall, that's the same uh, trailer that was um, in A Bug's Life uh, that you know where the city, the Bug City, was under. That was that was the same like trailer or what do we call it? Oh, really? Yeah. And I think the person who lives there is the uh, the pizza driver from the first Toy Story. Oh. Oh, really? And, and, of course, then you got Toy Story 3, where apparently the garbage man that throws a, a, um, in near the beginning of the movie is sick. Yeah. So, and then I'm, I'm thinking of some others. I think um, Nemo, I think Nemo's in um, in Monsters, Inc. He's like a little toy. Yeah, there's um, a toy Nemo. Yeah, a little toy Nemo in the in the scene where, I guess, when she's back in her, in her, in her bedroom, there, she's like, hold, there's a bunch of toys. Yeah, I said that, and there's a Jesse doll from Toy Story. Yeah. Nemo, yeah. And the doll got those little Easter eggs, you know, Pixar Easter eggs. Yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah, and that scene at the end, too, where he has to say goodbye to her is so sad. Uh, it is. And the music gets all sad. Uh-huh. Yeah. And she doesn't understand, but, you know, he's, like, getting all emotional about it. I mean, the boo's not getting too emotional because she's a kid. She doesn't really know what's really happening here, right? Yeah, but, yeah, no, like, that part where she opens up the door again, it's just a closet. Yeah. And she's like, kitty? It's like, oh, kitty. it's so sad. No, she opens it, she goes, boo! And then there's nobody in there. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, that was sad. But, um... I think uh, this was a while ago, but there was like somebody who wrote a sort of continuation of Abu and Sully's uh, relationship. Like she's all grown up, and Sully comes back um, through the door, and they actually have a reunion. Uh, you guys remember that? No, no, I never heard about that. Well, there was a thing. I, I don't know the whole story, but there's somebody did like a, a wrote or made a video of say maybe not a video, but just wrote a follow up where Boo and Sully reunite and Boo is all grown up. She's an adult now and she's got her own kid. And, and so uh, Sully comes back for some reason. He's older. He's kind of, I guess, elderly and um, they have a reunion. And apparently there's like a sad, like a very heartbreaking part about that. I think Sully's sick and Boo's like, you know, comforting him. And before, you know, before he leaves, you know, he's maybe passes away. They have this, uh, they, get together and they um i guess they reminisce and to be friends for like a little bit of a short period of time it's kind of a heartbreaking uh little continuation or cap or end cap to their relationship if that was actually real i mean it's not legit it's not like uh they're making a sequel or they're making something like that at pixar right now so that's somebody's like fan fiction you know i um i actually was curious though i looked up yesterday how old sully is and he's actually because jack was like He's definitely 40, or in his 40s. He's actually 28. 
What, in the movie? Yeah. I would not have guessed that. Mike and Sully are both 28. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, because you got John Goodman and Billy Crystal, they were, yep. probably, they were looking when they were in their 40s. Yep. And then again, they also voiced them when they were in, in uh, college. So, I mean, almost, it kind of makes sense. Like, the, for the character themselves. Because, yeah. like, Monster University, they were, like, of course, in, like, late teens, like, late teens, early 20s. So. Yeah. So, uh, you wanted to start talking about the themes and Oh, stuff? yeah. So... The themes of this film that I've concocted are friendship, loyalty, going out of your comfort zone, corrupt business, and teamwork. So I said that the morals are don't judge a book by its cover or basically don't believe everything that you hear because like with my um with all of the monsters they're told that children yeah they're told that children are like horrible and this and that don't believe everything that you hear because you see what happens she's really not bad she's adorable give people like you got all you got all those people uh after like a boo goes to that sushi restaurant and they're all saying like a whole bunch of things that she did that she did not do in reality like they would be like saying oh she shot me with her laser vision or like one guy's like she Grab me and shoot me up like a doll. <laughs> yeah. Um, another moral is give people a chance. Um, working together as a team is more effective than trying to compete with others. Um, uh, work together instead of working alone. Yeah, or working against others. Like Randall. Yeah. Randall, you see Randall is trying to compete, whereas Mike and Zully are not. They're just living... Um, but I want to go back to the corrupt business thing because this, another theme would be like good versus evil with, you know, Sully and Mike and then you got Warner News and you've got Randall, but it also shows like good and bad businesses, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like corrupt business and. And good business. And good business. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In that sense, um, Monsters Inc. kind of touches on that whole corrupt businessman kind of thing. Um, none of the, I mean, some of the early movies, like, they had their own like stories and stuff like that. With Monsters Inc., they they explored that facet, you know, about corrupt business people, and, and in a way, that's I think a more mature theme for Pixar, um, especially at the time because they it's one of their original movies. It's still fresh. And they actually, like, within, like, I don't know, Monsters, Inc. was the second or third Pixar movie to come out? Yeah, something like, I think it was, like, I think it was the fourth. What, Monsters, Inc.? Yeah. It was early. it was Toy Story, then Bugs, Bugs Life. Life, then Toy Story 2, and then Monsters, Inc., and then, I think. So it was the fourth uh, feature film. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, so it was still pretty early on. So they, they um, with their fourth movie, they touched upon the whole corrupt business person with Water News, and it's like, oh, that's um, certainly, I, I would say it's refreshing to see in, a, in an animated uh, film like that. Yeah. And, and they kind of do it again uh, with uh, The Incredibles as well. Yeah, yeah they do. A little, uh, bit, a little with, bit. With, like, corrupt corporations and yeah. stuff like yeah. that. Or, like, you know, just uh, asshole lawyers or something like, what's-his-face, um, the Bob's boss. Yeah. He's just, he's just a dick who's, like, you know, just try, uh, the status quo and not about, you know, 
serving the customers, helping out their their people, you know, people that they're they're supposed to be helping, you know. Instead, he's like looking at the bottom line and uh, meeting a certain quota instead of just like just doing your job and helping people out in their uh, times of crisis, you know, with insurance or whatever. So again, there's some mature themes in a, a was essentially a kid family movie, you know. Yeah, which is why like a lot of those Pixar films are so great is that even though they are for kids, they're also for adults too. Yeah, I mean, mostly. Yeah, and they talk a lot about adult. They talk a lot about adult things, which is really interesting. But they do it in really interesting ways. They do it. I think they do it in accessible ways. Usually, they like it's never like um, it doesn't like exclude the kids. Like they try to make it more accessible. I would say, and, and like as much as I love uh, the Incredibles, uh, I think it's like pretty fantastic. I think that movie is like very like maybe maybe Pixar's most mature film. I don't like um, that movie. I hate to say it. I really don't like that movie. <laughs> I don't know. Like maybe that's why. I think because it kind of like it reaches more for the adult um, like side than it does the kids side. It kind of steers more to the adults, which I mean I do love about it. But I think uh, movies like Monsters Inc. and Toy Story they have a nice perfect medium. Yeah. Yeah. And when it comes to like entertaining both adults. And kids. I mean, yeah. I agree. Yeah, like it's uh, definitely um, the great example of like all the stuff we mentioned with the themes and the and the. Uh, Friendship is um, the biggest theme. Friendship, teamwork, and loyalty. Yeah, it's in the song. You know, like I wouldn't have enough in this. I didn't have you. Because you see the betrayal that Mike feels. Uh huh. He says, "What about me? What about me? I'm your best friend." Friendship exactly. Doesn't matter what I feel. What they needed, what they needed was just more snow cones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that yeah, like if they had more snow cones, then the, the whole uh, their whole world would be much, uh, much more merry. Yeah. Cool. So uh, this has been Cinemaniac Jack. I'm your host Jack. Today's guest co-hosts were Bethany and Chris. <laughs> yeah, but, um, that was me. I, I transformed into yeah, a dog. Yeah, Chris turned into a dog. <laughs> <laughs> we need to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, so this is Chris Barry here signing off. So, uh, see you next time. Bye. Right. See you guys.